0: Good morning. Welcome to our service today. Well,
1: whoever dreamed that we'd be having two-a-day services online? Now, two-a-day services and revival meetings, yes, but two-a-day services in quarantine, now that's that's a different thing. My friends, we're starting into our third week, but this too shall pass, and it will be well for you. Let me say that again. It will be well for you. I know many of you now, this is starting the third week, and you work at companies where they say no work, no pay. But remember, your company doesn't supply your needs. God does. This is the time for you to watch the faithfulness of God. Now, at the same time, I would tell you, you need to be looking around for ideas, looking around for things that you can do. You know, one of our families is working super, super hard. Instead of selling 500 loaves of bread a week, they're selling 1,000 loaves of bread a week. Some of our folks who sell, Saudi, sell in Saudi Saudi stores and canteens, they're selling more than they've ever sold before. So it depends. Remember how I taught you not too long ago on entrepreneurship that in all of your different businesses, you need one business that's called foundational income. It's, it's money that people have to spend in good times and bad times that always just keeps you stable. Now, this is a good illustration of that. People are spending only what needs to be spent. To use my illustration of milk tea, they're not buying a lot of milk tea right now, but they're buying a lot of three-in-one at the Sadi Sadi store. So please, learn the lessons and put them into place. But also, God's got some amazing ideas for you. This is a time for creativity as God begins to speak to you and shows you some different work for your hands. Every morning and every evening, we start with Psalms 91. This is... One of the most beautiful psalms in a time like this. And all through history, ever all through history, every time the plagues came, this is the psalm that people focus on. Psalms 91, beginning with verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, or he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Did you hear that? He didn't say he might. He said he will deliver you from the deadly pestilence. He will deliver you from the coronavirus. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. I notice a lot of you have new cover photos for Facebook, Facebook with you're in-between the wings of God. That's great. You will not fear or his faithfulness Is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. You're not afraid of this thing, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your God, your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil, and I love this, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Coronavirus cannot come near your house. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on lion and adler, the young lion and serpent you will trample under feet. Because he holds fast to me in love. It's all about relationship. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. You know him. You know his character. You know his attributes. We're preaching about that every night for weeks now. When he calls to me, I will answer him. That's not a might. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him, and with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Oh beloved, God is with you today. You have nothing to fear. You do not need to be afraid. Fear, fear is a magnet. Job said what I feared came upon me. Don't be afraid of this thing. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in God. Know who He is. Put your faith in Him. This will pass. It will be well with you. All right. Let's stand now. Remember, worship is not something that you spectate. Worship is something that you participate in. We're not spectators. We're participators. Stand with me and let's worship the Lord together.
0: Ooh, yeah. The may ¡Verdad! Pero...
2: campuses and branches who are joining us tonight here in COP. We are so, so, so happy to have you here. Now, we would love to be able to agree with you in prayer tonight. As you come down, we still are going to be observing our one-meter rule. So please do work with our ushers and our pastors, but it would truly, truly be an honor for us to be able to pray with you and agree with you for what is going on in your life. Please do feel free to come down during the praise and worship as we continue right now to worship the Lord some more. After day after day, we've been reading the Word of God together, and every day we start with Psalm 91. We start in our morning devotions, in our evening services, in our Sunday service, we start with Psalm 91, and we have learned that under his wings, we find refuge, that we're resting in the shadow of his wings, and maybe you're the one person in your family, and you just don't get it. Why is my family gathering together day after day? Why are these people worshiping God? They're standing in our living room, lifting their hands, worshiping God. And they're saying that they find their refuge in God. Maybe you just wonder, what is that all about? Because for you, you you're kind of afraid right now. You're looking around going, am I next? I have this circumstance. What, what if I get sick? You know, there's a lady in the Bible who didn't used to believe in God. Her name was Ruth. And she was at a point in her life where she she just had not been believing in God. But she came with her mother-in-law to Israel when her mother-in-law was going back to Israel. And she chose to believe in God. God, her creator. God, her maker. God, her savior. And there's a scripture in the book of Ruth where someone is speaking to her. And in Ruth chapter two, verse 12, it says, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So if you are that one person sitting in that room and everybody else is worshiping And you have not been a believer in God. You can be today. And you can be this person the scripture talks about. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You see, when it comes to the Lord, you need to come to him. You need to take refuge in him. And right now, today, you can do that and you can have a relationship with god as savior of your life as well if you will come to him and say lord i'm running to you i want to take refuge under your wings as well lord would you please cleanse me of all my sin forgive me and let me be your child you know he's real that's exactly what he does <laughs> He's in the saving business. He will save you, redeem you. He will bring you to himself, and you too can find refuge under his wings. If you're that person who really needs to turn to God, needs to choose to believe in God, come to him as your Savior. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, with all my heart, I turn to you. Lord, I want to come to you as savior i choose to believe in you i choose to give my life to you i ask you to forgive all my sins i ask you to come into my heart and into my life from this moment on you are lord of my life i will find refuge Under your wings, and you will shelter me and hold me and reward me with all of your great blessing in Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer today, then from your heart, then you are forgiven and you are now a child of God. Now you can stand up with us and lift your hands as we worship the Lord some more.
0: Oh, we thank you. you Loving God, you are God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, oh, oh, making a declaration over God. us. You protect us, oh, you God. shield us, oh, you love us. God. God. Oh, thank you, bring you, Lord, for bringing us together. Thank you for the strength of God. Lord, thank you for being our shelter. Thank you, Lord God, as we trust in you, Lord. You will do great wonders, Lord God, over us.
3: the Lord, child of God. Here I am again. You know, I've changed shirts, so I'm ready. I don't wear the same church shirt every day. I have a little something I want to just quickly bring to you this this one time. uh, I think it'll only be once, but something struck me from Scripture so strong. And this is a time when uh, we're uh, secluded. We have been asked to uh, shelter in space, in place, and uh, this coronavirus has Things uh, uh, slowed way down, if not stopped in a lot of places. And I just, uh, I just want to uh, draw your attention to something in Scripture that was so powerful to me. And next time I'm there, it's probably the subject I'll be preaching on. Uh, I want to talk to you about don't stop asking. Don't stop asking. You know, you called out so many times for the souls of your city. And uh, I know God has given you those those souls, but don't ever stop calling out for souls. Don't stop calling folks and saying, listen, tune in and catch the uh, web page of the church this week. There's people getting saved even as they watch the programs as Brother Summerall, every night, sits and gives a very special, uh, uh, every day gives a very special message to the city. But... I'm I'm interested in a scripture. I caught my interest the in scripture caught my interest in Genesis. Did you know there was a man one time that when he stopped praying for a city the whole city was lost. He could have seen he could have seen the city saved if he would have kept asking. And that's one of the things a the theme I want to put in your spirit for this season of isolation from the coronavirus virus don't stop asking for souls in Manila, souls across your uh, nation, souls around the world, across America. We're in a very tough time right now. It's, it's, it's bleeding heavy right now, and we need special prayer, and I know that you need it there. But I'm talking about a man over in Genesis, the 18th chapter. Uh, uh, as the Lord comes in the 20th verse and he speaks to Abraham, he says, and the Lord said to Abraham, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, God says, I'm going to go over there. And uh, if it's as bad as they say, I'm going to destroy the city. And it starts with the 24th verse. Abraham sincerely starts asking for the salvation of the city. And Abraham uh, says there in that 24th verse, uh, peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy it for fifty? And twenty-sixth words, the Lord said, "If I find fifty in Sodom, in Sodom, I'll save Sodom. If there's just fifty, I'll save Sodom." But then he goes on, and in the twenty-ninth uh, verse, uh, Abraham asks again. He says, "Peradventure there'll be forty found there." And he said, "I'll not destroy it for forty sakes." And the thirtieth verse, he comes and he says, "If there be thirty found there." And the Lord said, I'll not, if I find 30, I'll not destroy it if there be 30. And then in the 31st verse again, and you know this story, it's an old, old story that we've understood time and again as, as those that have heard the Gospels. But I'm going to show you something in a minute that's so powerful, so very powerful. 31st verse, he says, peradventure there be 20. And then he gets down to the 32nd verse and he says, I'm going to ask you this one more time peradventure there'd be tens found in the city. And the, and the Lord went his way and soon had left the communion with Abraham and Abraham returned into his place. Abraham stopped asking at 10, but God did not stop giving. God went ahead and blessed because in that city, Genesis nineteen sixteen, the Bible says, and while Lot lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord was merciful unto them and brought them forth and set them without the city. Four got saved. But do you really recognize what's happened here? If Abraham would have kept asking, if Abraham would have just kept believing and kept asking, there were four. And if he'd have brought that number down to four, I feel that the whole city would have been saved. I'm asking you, COP, like never before, this time of solitude, keep asking. You are no doubt the soul-winningest church that I know anywhere in the world, bar none. But what if that number could be increased 10%, 30%, 40%, 50%? If it could be increased 1%, please don't stop asking for the grace of God to be on COP and for COP to win every person that they come in contact with, that the whole second coming of Jesus Christ might be brightened, brightened by the fact that so many more people of the great Filipino people and people associated with the Philippines came into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've got a whole message here. I'm waiting to preach to you when I get there. And it's named Don't Stop Asking. And that's the key word for me today is don't stop asking. Praise God. Talk to you again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you so much for letting us come into your home and be with you today. Folks, we are a blessed people. Now, right now we're kind of quarantined at home, but I keep telling you this will pass and it will be well with you. Now, my friends, it's important that you keep focused on the future. There are many people and forgive me, even many Christians who at this time next year, they will still be putting their lives back together. They will still be saying, well, the coronavirus messed up this dream and the coronavirus messed up that dream. Folks, this thing is not going to mess up anything God has for you. He will fulfill his purposes for you as we taught you the other night. His faithfulness will fulfill his purposes for your life. Now, let me just talk to you something practical and then open your Bibles to Psalms 86. Psalms 86, we're going to get started there in just a minute. But let me talk to you about Some things, and I want you to write these things down. You need to start making a list of post-virus plans, okay? Because this will pass, it will be well, and you have to learn to get moving again because many people, it'll take them three months or six months or even a year just to begin to move things and get the momentum back in their life again. Successful people are gonna jumpstart this thing and you jumpstart it by planning now here would be my counsel for you now now again we don't know how this thing is going to end we don't know if it will end slowly or all of a sudden they'll say hey you're free and we can all run out and enjoy ourselves but let us say the government says okay it's over you can return to normal life i would plan a big family gathering where the clan comes together the whole the whole family comes together and you have a big beautiful dinner and then you stop and you worship and you celebrate and thank God for his protection over your family. Secondly, I would say you bring the whole family to church that weekend. Choose a service and the whole family come and the whole family sit together and lift your hands together and say thank you to God for all that he's doing to protect you and bring you through this thing. But now you also need to lay out some steps. First of all, You need to lay out steps for each facet of your life. So you're going to need a notebook with many little pages in it, and you're going to need to lay out a page for how do I jumpstart my career? Where did I leave off? What were the projects I was working in my office, and where do I need to pick back up? Your business, where did I leave off, and what do I need to start up again? Who was I supposed to be calling? Who do I need to be following up? Laying out a to-do list. These are steps of to-dos, and then put them in, in proper order. Your school, where, where did you leave off in school and how do you pick back up, forgive me, in your courtship? Some of you were just beginning some beautiful courtships and now you haven't seen each other in over two weeks. Well, make some plans to get that going again. Where did you leave off and what are the first steps to get going again? Now, when the doors are open and we're allowed out, one of the things I'll do as a church is that we will say, all right, we're not going to put any pressure on anybody to do anything for a couple of weeks. And then we'll get back into crusades. We'll get back into the provincial crusades and the truck crusades here in the city. We'll get back into winning souls. Now, I'm, I'm happy Brother John thinks we're the soul winningest church in the world, but I get inspired when I go to Ghana and I see what they're doing. They're doing so much more than we're doing. Now, not that this is a competition because there's no shortage of souls, but we do. We're praying. And now we want to get back into our soul winning in Jesus' name. Now, let's get into Psalms chapter 86 today. Psalms 86 verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. We've learned together that faith is not an intellectual thing. It's not a a memorization game. Faith is a relationship thing that you, you know God. And because you know him, you put your trust in him. You you know that he who promised is faithful. Faith, we said, has two parts in Hebrews 11, the knowledge that God is and the knowledge that God is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We know that faithful is he who has promised. Now, we've talked about God's forgiveness. We've talked about God's goodness. We've talked about God's uh, graciousness, and we've kind of messed up your brains a little bit with understanding that God is a gracious God. But now let me begin to teach you about compassion. Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cured. The cry of every person's heart in need is... Does God care? Does God care about me? Does God care about me? Does God feel about my needs? Does God feel about my hurts? Now, I want you to notice what he said. He said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He said, God, Jesus, I know your power. I know that you can do this. I I know that you can just speak the word and the leprosy will be gone. He said, my question is not about your power. Remember, faith has two parts. My question is about the willingness of your heart. He said, if you're willing. Now, the Greek word here for willing is fascinating. It doesn't mean if you want to do this because it's the right thing to do, because you have a legal binding obligation to do it. It means, Jesus, do you feel anything? When you look at me, Jesus, do you feel anything? Do you, do you have a desire to do anything for me because you feel something for me? Jesus, when you, you look at my nose that has rotted off, Jesus, do you feel anything? Jesus, when you smell, when you smell the horrible odor coming off of my body, Jesus, do you, do you feel anything for me? When you look at the skin coming off of my flesh, Jesus, do you feel anything for me? So Jesus, if you have a desire to do something for me, a desire to heal me because you feel something, there's some empathy in your heart for me, Jesus, you have the ability to do this. The leper said, I just want to know, do you feel anything? That's why verse 41 is so important. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man filled with compassion. The Greek word there literally means it just flowed out of his innermost being. It's just this huge, this huge emotion of compassion welled up within him, filled with compassion. This, this tsunami of compassion came out of him. And Jesus reached out his hand and did the unthinkable. He touched the man and said, I am willing to be clean. Now, a couple of Sundays ago when we still had services, we were practicing social distancing. Some people walked up to me after the service and said, pastor, you should not have been laying hands on those people that came to you for prayer. The other pastors didn't do it. I said, I know these people, they're old timers. They come to me every week. That brother has cancer. That little girl has a problem with an enlarged heart. I said, they, they don't need me to step back and go unclean. They mean, need me to be like Jesus and show them that God cares and touch them. Now, see, this is, this is the cry even of Christians today. See, religion teaches us that we have a covenant with God, and we do. Religion teaches us that we have rights based on that covenant, and we do as the children of God. Religion teaches us to, to believe and claim the promises of God and remind God of his word, and that's true but you cannot reduce God to a series of legal principles and covenants. The the truth may be valid, but God is also a person, and God feels for us, God loves us. God is not like an AI artificial intelligence computer that that looks at us and takes care of everything but doesn't feel anything. Part of love the part of relationship is feeling. This is something that is going to be a necessary component to your faith, just like it was for this this leper. Part of love and part of relationship is knowing that there's empathy in his heart for us, knowing that he feels for us. He is a compassionate God. Now, this is how God reveals himself. Let me just read you some scriptures here. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalms 86, verse 15, but you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. Psalms 111, verse 4, he causes wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Psalms 145, verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich. In love. Did you hear that? The Lord is gracious. We've talked about that for quite a few nights. The Lord is compassionate. Now, take it a little farther with some verses. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. <laughs> That's one of the titles of our Heavenly Father, the Father of compassion. Psalms 116 verse five, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Now again, every attribute of God is undefinable because it's it's infinite. Say how much love does God have? It's infinite. How much mercy does God have? It's infinite. How How much faithfulness does God have? It's infinite. Every attribute of God is infinite, including compassion. You have never met anybody who feels for people as much as God feels for people. You've never met anybody in your whole life who is touched with our hurts and our needs. like God is. He is full of compassion. There is never any hardness in his heart toward anybody. Matthew 15, verse 32. Now think about Jesus for a minute. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on these people. They've already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And did you notice Jesus felt these people's needs? Now the disciples, please, nothing critical about the disciples. They're still what I would call baby preachers and they're making baby preacher mistakes. The apostles didn't think about the needs of the people. They were busy with their ministry. They were busy with their own agendas. They were looking at their own limitations. The apostles at this time did not think about the needs of the people. The apostles at this time did not have a heart for the people. The only understandings of religious leadership that the apostles had were the scribes, the Pharisees, the rulers of the synagogue, the Sanhedrin, the high priest, and these people were very corrupt and very hard-hearted. I mean, you know, when you, you see the corruption, corruption requires a hard heart, okay? Because corruption always takes its biggest toll on the poor. And it did there in the temple courts. The the offerings that were being sold, the pigeons and things, those were the sacrifices of the poorest people. That was the one sacrifice they could afford. They they couldn't afford a lamb, they couldn't afford a goat, they couldn't afford a bull. Bulls were the, the sacrifices of kings. But they could afford that pigeon. They could afford that little bird. And they made the prices extravagant. Corruption hardens the hearts toward people's needs. The apostles, that's all they'd ever known. And then they got around Jesus. And this feeding of the multitude was not just about Jesus doing a miracle to impress everybody. I believe a large part of this miracle was teaching the apostles, these baby preachers, to care for the needs of the people, to not just think about themselves, to not just think about their ministry and their agendas, but to care for the needs of the people. So Jesus said, you know what, I'm thinking about these people's needs. I'm thinking about what is it going to be like for these people when they, they leave here and they have to walk. They, they might pass out on the way because they've had no food. But Jesus also, or God also, promises to show us compassion. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. though the mountains be shaken and the hills removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken or my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Did you hear that? Says the Lord who has compassion on you. He said, listen, though the economy may be shaken, though businesses may be removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. God said, when this, that while you're going through this coronavirus and when this thing is over, my, my love for you will not be shaken. My my covenant of peace for you will not be removed. He said, and all through this thing, God says, I'm having compassion on you. When everything that can be shaken is being shaken around you, God says, I'm having compassion on you. I haven't changed. Psalms 145 verse 9, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. He has compassion on the dogs. He has compassion on... On the chickens. He has compassion on the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. He has compassion on all he has made. Every aspect of God's creation, God feels for. That would include the trees and the flowers and the plants. He said, Listen, you know, Solomon wasn't clothed as beautifully as these. You you think of all that God has created. You must understand his heart goes out to everything he has created. Deuteronomy 32 verse 26, the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees their strength is gone and no one is left slave or free. If this thing continues a little longer, our strength is going to wane a little bit. For some people, their faith is going to grow a little weak, but with the faithless, he's faithful. And when we have grown weak, he says, when your strength is gone, He said, I don't stop having compassion on you. When your strength is gone, God says, I do not stop having compassion on you. Isaiah 49, verse 13. Shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth. Burst into song O mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Right now, our whole being is afflicted by this virus. We can't go out. We're feeling trapped in our homes. We can't move forward with our careers and our jobs. We are afflicted by this virus. And God says, I have compassion on the afflicted ones. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. I read you this the other night and it just it blows my mind. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. We talked about that the other night. That blows my mind. But then he continues. He rises to show you compassion, God rises. He he stands up from his throne to show you compassion. Now, some people stand up when they're angry. Many years ago, there was a man in my office and he was saying very bad things about one of our ECS members. And I didn't even realize I'd done it, but I hit my hands on the table and stood up and stared him down and I didn't even realize I'd done it. I rose not to show compassion, I rose to show anger. And I've never forgotten that after I read this verse. He rises not to show anger. He gets up from his throne to show compassion. He rises, he he sees us in our affliction, he sees us in our need, he sees us in our suffering, and he stands up off of his throne to show us compassion. I've heard many people say, well, Jesus stood when Stephen was stoned to death. He stood up from sitting at the right hand of the Father. He stood up to receive and honor the first martyr that came in. Yeah, maybe. But Jesus also knew what that was like to suffer, because it had not been that long since he had suffered on the cross. It had not been that long since the skin had been ripped off of his back. And he saw a man who loved him being stoned to death, a very painful way to die. I believe Jesus stood to show him compassion. He stood to show this man compassion. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 28. As soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies, so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion you delivered them. Time after time. Now to understand what Nehemiah is talking there, there's a there's a reciting of the rise and fall of Israel and their sin in the book of Judges. Every time they sinned, they fell away from God, other nations destroyed them, they cried out to God for mercy. God sent a judge, he sent a leader that brought them back up, and it was just like this roller coaster up and down. And Nehemiah, highlighting that, says, and in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. Some of you are listening to me this morning. Your family's Christian, and you're yeah, sort of Christian. <laughs> you're up and down like a roller coaster. You're on fire, and then you're cold as ice. You're on fire, then you're cold as ice. You, you're holier than thou, and then you're <laughs> zero holy, okay? I mean, please, you, you know who I'm talking to but hear me today, there is still compassion for you. He'll deliver you time after time because of his compassion. One more verse this morning. Lamentations three, verse 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. I love that, New International Version. His compassions never fail. God never stops feeling for you. God never stops feeling the hurt that you are going through. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. My friend, it's not difficult to pray when you know the character of God, when you know his faithfulness, when you know that he's a gracious God when you know that he's a forgiving God, when you know that he's a loving God, when you know the character of who you're talking to, it's really easy to go see him. But too often in this world that we live in today, we, we have this idea that God is like some big corporate CEO or God is like some big shot political leader or some, some king of England that's distant and seated on a throne and surrounded and unapproachable. Back in the 80s, one of the greatest insults you could say about someone, back in the 80s, you would say he's unapproachable. And back in the 80s, one of the greatest compliments you could say about somebody is that they were approachable. Folks, you have never met anybody more approachable than God. You've never met anybody who loves you like God loves you who will be gracious to you like God will be gracious to you, who will feel for you like God feels for you. Please, never pull your heart back from him. Please, pray and seek his face. He's with you. Now, please, let me pray for you today. Let me pray for you and all of your family. Father, in Jesus' name I come. Jesus, you said whatever we would ask in your name, the Father would do it. We ask in your name, Lord, that Psalms 91 be fulfilled in every family that follows you. That no sickness shall come near their home. That the angels will be given charge concerning those who have to go out and get food and work on the front lines. That the angels will stand between them and those viruses. And that virus shall not come near them. Those angels shall guard them. Father, you promised in your word that we would be delivered from this coronavirus. Let your good promises be fulfilled. Let your people see your compassion and your graciousness. Father, we've got a lot to pick up in our lives when this thing is finished. But we know that you will walk with us through this storm. And Lord, we know we're gonna get to the other side. And we know when we get the other side, it's gonna be well because your hand is going to be upon our lives and you're going to bless all the work of our hands. Father, let fear be broken off of every family in Jesus' name. And let just a simple rest of faith, because they know who you are, flow into their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, we have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Wonderful God. Now, last night I asked you, when we finish the service, go around and bless each other, saying, "The Lord be gracious to you." But tonight or this morning, either either time, I want to ask that you to do two things. Double blessing that you go around to every family member, lay hands on their shoulders, look them in the eyes, and say, "May the Lord be gracious and compassionate to you," in Jesus' name. Again, lay your hands on both shoulders and say, may the Lord be gracious and compassionate to you in Jesus' name. What a great blessing. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. We'll see you again tomorrow night as we pick up our twice-a-day, twice-a-day services. (laughs) I never thought we'd be doing two-a-day services. Now, we've done daily services for four and a half years, but twice-a-day services, wow and we're in the middle of a lockdown, please keep the spiritual lifeline going. We'll see you tomorrow morning.